Well, welcome to the Superist Tuesday we could imagine here on the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Tuesday, November 8th, it is Election Day all across the land and a very, very exciting day for people of the Christian faith, especially uh, not because we are expecting that we're going to vote out the bad guys and vote in the good guys, that every law that's up for grabs uh, in the states uh, here in the U.S. and the D District of Columbia is going to go the way of conservative Republicans or conservative independents or even conservative liberals who feel like they're being run over by the progressives that's taken over the Democrat Party. But rather, this is a day when we as believers get the opportunity to give thanks to God for the fact that he has placed us in this nation, in this time, for such a time as this, to be salt and light in a world that is dying desperately. And the ability to vote, I, I can't stress this enough, is one, I believe it's a God-given opportunity for us to let our voices be heard. Understanding, of course, that uh, in the spirit of Romans 13, uh, God is the author of life. He knows exactly what he wants to happen in certain countries and certain cultures. And in the same way, if you look at the transition from the book of Joshua to the book of Judges, and you see what the people of Israel did, said, oh, we want kings, and we want this, and we want that. And God said, fine, here you go. You know, And then it turned out to be, it did not go well for them. God will give us the elected officials that we need, I believe, first and foremost. And you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. I was having this conversation with Dr. Michael Youssef right before Leading the Way Ministries, right before the 2016 election. And we were talking about, you know, the choices at hand. We had, uh, you know, this kind of imperialist, uh, communist, globalist Hillary Clinton running against this entrepreneur, uh, man with a tremendous thirst for ego and appetite, Donald Trump. And we were talking about, you know, what was going to happen. And he, he said very candidly, and I'm paraphrasing him here, he said, God will give us the government he wants us to have to accomplish his purpose. And I've seen that. I mean, we've been through so many election cycles. Bottom Line Show was born September 19, 2011. There was a presidential election in 2012. There were midterms in 2014 where a new governor was coming up potentially for election. There was a uh, uh, presidential election in 2016. The midterms are basically seen as the, uh, the reprimand for the current administration. And it happens all the time. In 2008, Barack Obama and Joe Biden defeated John McCain and what's her name? Sarah Palin. And yeah, that was kind of a Hail Mary. And, uh, and, and so in 2010, Americans got the opportunity to voice their opinion as to what they thought of Barack Obama's leadership. And what we got was a Republican majority. We got the Tea Party initiative. We saw the White House working to... Uh, weaponize the Internal Revenue Service to keep these groups from uh, interfering with the 2012 elections. I mean, it was uh, there, a lot of this was playing out in real time right before our eyes. In 2012, we had more socialist leaning and, oh, by the way, I, I've evolved on same-sex marriage, Obama-Biden ticket, up against Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan, where a lot of people on the conservative side said, hey, you know what? I mean, these guys look like good, solid, church-going business guys, even though Paul Ryan's a Catholic and his wife's a Democrat, and we're not sure if he's a real Republican, and Mitt Romney's a Mormon, and everybody had you know, their own opinions about that. And they lost pretty handily. And I know a lot of people in the body, I'll be honest with you, I thought the bottom line show was over that day because basically there was such a furor on the conservative side of the equation to see about a regime change and it didn't happen but mr crawford sent us an email and said hey keep going you know let, let's keep doing this and so by the time the 2014 midterms rolled around yet another indictment of the uh, leadership in the white house 
And so by the time 2016 rolled around, that was the biggest what in the heck just happened. But what happened was Americans went to the, Americans went to the polls and they voted. And it stunned everyone, especially those who thought they had their thumb on the scale, behind the scenes, of course. I go back and watch reruns of the television program Scandal now, or you remember that show on ABC, where the president won, but it looked like there were a couple of areas where the uh, uh, the tally was kind of tampered with and tinkered with. And, um, you know, it, could that possibly happen? How is it that Hollywood knew in 2011 that something like that might have happened in 2012? There was the potential for that to happen in 2016. And in 2020, no one cared. They said, you were just doing it. But you see the fracture in the U.S. And you have to ask the question as Christians, how do we work as peacemakers? How do we bridge the gap? How do we try to unify the nation? And then you begin to realize that the Great Commission is not going to all the world and unify the nation. The Great Commission is going to all the world and what? Preach the gospel, make disciples. And some of those disciples are going to be on the left-hand side of the political aisle, and some of them are going to be on the right-hand side. So we, we do so, you know, noting today, uh, maybe above all days, that if you voted, and I hope you did, or if you're getting ready to vote and you're, you're thinking about doing so, that you will exercise that right to vote because we in the body of Christ, I think, do a lousy job of this. Jason Yates has been a regular contributor here on the Bottom Line Show. with my. He's the CEO of MyFaithVotes.org. And it was a group that was started a few years ago to just kind of organize believers and say, look, you have a vote, use it. Can you imagine what would happen if every Christian who were registered to vote would actually vote? By Jason's last count, 25 million Americans who also identify as Christians sat out the 2020 election. You know, I, I don't see any reason for doing so. I really honestly, even if, take California in 2014. Who was running for governor? Well, Jerry Brown had one more term left in him. Who was running against him? Our friend of the program, Tim Donnelly, who was an assembly member of California's 8th Assembly District, tried to run. And the Republican Party in California basically shot him down. They figured, you know, Neil Kashkari, uh, who now I think runs the Federal Reserve Branch in Minnesota or something like that, was put up as the patron saint who they knew was going to lose, but they didn't care. The GOP, you heard Pastor Jack Hibbs say this yesterday on the program, the GOP in California does not seem to care about particular elections. They just kind of got that mentality. It's that kind of John Boehner mentality. Well, you know, we're not the majority, so we're just going to oppose everything they do. And if we ever got a Republican president again, we'd have to change our tune. And then all of a sudden, 2016, they got a Republican president. And they're like, uh, I'm going to retire. Painter retired, Paul Ryan retired. But you remember what happened in the midterms in 2018. It was a referendum against Donald Trump. 40 plus seats in the House of Representatives switched from red to blue, Republican to Democrat. A lot of Republicans jumped ship. Paul Ryan retired, the Speaker of the House for crying out loud. And then the 2020 elections came and all of a sudden it's very interesting. Looking at a headline from CNN earlier today, and I think it was an article from Politico, talking about how you know, the left denounces anybody who challenges the results of 2020. Election deniers, big lie, big steal, blah, blah, blah. At the same time, literally in the same sentence in some of these articles. But we have to be careful that those types of things don't happen in 2022. Oh, really? What happened? What, what happened? Are we talking election integrity? Is that the big conversation? 
States like Texas, Georgia, even California passed some measures to make the elections more fair, more equitable. And what did we hear from the left? Every time a Republican-led chamber, House, Assembly, State, Senate, passed a measure that was designed as an election integrity law, we were told that minorities would be disenfranchised. It was a way of suppressing the vote, sending us back to pre civil rights era days, and it would be mayhem and disaster. Well, brothers and sisters, I have good news for you. We don't have any concrete, tangible, here's who's winning and here's who's not numbers to report to you yet. And of course, the polls are open for another four hours and 45 minutes here in the People's Republic of California. But one of the states we've been watching is the state of Georgia. The population of Georgia is a little over 31% African-American, 50-something percent Anglo and the rest made up of whatever. And we were told that the election laws that were changed, the president of the United States called it voter suppression. The Jim Crow election laws in the state of Georgia. And what do the early returns tell us in the state of Georgia? 31.75% of the population is African-American and 33% of the votes cast in early voting in Georgia were by African-Americans. Is that the definition of suppression? When the turnout percentage of votes, which is proportionate, you would expect if 31.75% of the voters in Georgia were African-American and the voting turnout was 10% African-American, I would say you have a very strong case for voter suppression. But if it's 31.75 and the total votes counted in the early counting is 33%, the way I was taught math, 33 is greater than 31.75. You're doing a lousy job of suppressing anything. But then again, maybe the pollsters and the pundits don't have it right. Maybe, just maybe, Americans are energized by things that are different than what MSNBC and CNN and Fox News tell us they are. Dr. George Barna is the head of director of research and the co-founder of the uh, Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. I've asked George to join me here on this Super Tuesday of all Super Tuesdays to talk about what's really animating people, what's really getting them to the polls. And so we're going to hear a little bit of that conversation on the other side of this break. And then you're going to hear the vice president of the United States actually tell Americans that she believes that Christians should be supporting Proposition 1 and should be supporting abortion because of their deeply and sincerely held religious beliefs. And we'll open up the phones and give you a chance to weigh in, too. We're going to do our own polling here on The Bottom Line Show, find out how many of our listeners actually voted and how many chose not to. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Clients love her. Insurance companies fear her. No other personal injury attorney knows the inner workings of insurance companies like Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. In a cutthroat industry where most attorneys don't even last five years, Stephanie Cover spent 20 years defending insurance companies, never compromising her integrity despite constant external pressure. During those 20 years, Stephanie Cover gained invaluable insight into the tricks of the trade. She knows more about your insurance policy than your adjuster does. Today, Cape Wright's personal injury attorney uses her unparalleled knowledge of the insurance company's playbook to call their bluff every time even earning the grudging respect from lawyers and adjusters who know they can't get anything by her. She used to defend them. Now she beats them at their own game. Schedule a free, no-obligation consultation at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. She knows the other side. 
the personal injury attorney with personal integrity, Stephanie Cover, a good friend of the Bottom Line Show family and the Marsh family, too, for many, many years. Stephanie with an F, Cover as in cover, 877-214-4935 or sign up at kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law. Do that today. You will not regret it the next time you're involved in a personal injury accident. Well, here we are on a Super Tuesday, taking a look at the midterm election 2022. And I'm grateful to have George Barna with us here online and uh, in the studio with us today here on the Bottom Line Show to talk about what people are really thinking about when they vote. And uh, we've got a link, of course, to the Arizona Christian uh, University Cultural Research Center. Dr. Barna is the co-founder and the uh, lead researcher there. Uh, George Barna, backed by all of his bases. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. Good to be with you, Roger. Thank you for recognizing the bases. Of course. Well, I, I, I have to, especially in light of the fact that we always have base conversation before we get, we, we've got a good foundation, a good basis for the things we're talking about. But, uh, um, you know, and, and I, when you get right down to it though, George, I mean, and I mean this sincerely, you can't have a good song without a good bass part, right? I mean, it really does hold everything together. It's the bridge between the percussion and the melody and everything else. And, and let's face it, I mean, from Paul McCartney to John Atwistle to, to George Barna, we can't have any good, meaningful conversation without someone who knows how to play the bass well. Is that is that an accurate statement? Does your research indicate that, George? My personal research justifies that statement. Because, I, I, I mean, I've gone into studios and I've turned the bass part down, you know, on, on the mixer, on the board, and uh, the song just sounds empty. It's yeah. it's it's not there. You got to yeah. have it. It, it, it. I And that was what part of what drew me to the instrument, too. Uh, that and also the fact that I realized that I did the math. Everybody in my high school wanted to play guitar or drums. There weren't too many bass players. I figured I'd get more work if I played bass. I mean, that's just that it was a practical situation. Well, and for me, being a numbers guy, it was a little bit different because I, I looked at guitar and I looked at bass. I said, hmm, six strings, four strings. Exactly. Go with four. Okay. I go with probably four. handle it. And the, the tunings are consistent everywhere you go up and down the neck. You can play the same scale, just move up one fret or two. I mean, see, this is why George Barnett and I get along so very, very well. Hey, okay, it is election day here in the United States. And so that's what we want to talk about is what are the real issues? And you have come up as part of your America's Value Study. The third report actually points to something that I think may shock a lot of Americans with regard to what are the key issues that people are voting on and what are the things that we should be concerned about, George? What are the hot button issues that most Americans are saying, if you get this right, you've got my vote? Well, because we're talking with the kind of people that we would survey, it's not going to surprise them that what we found is that it's all about economics. You know, years ago, they said it's the economy, stupid. Right. And, and we've kind of come full circle to that. Not surprising because people do vote their pocketbooks. I mean, if you take money out of my pocket, I'm not going to vote you. So right. that's what we're finding here. Inflation and the rising cost of living, number one on the hit parade in terms of issues that are going to influence the way that people vote. Number two on that list, food prices and shortages. People are very upset about that. Every time you go to the grocery store, you're coming out with less, even though you're spending more. Uh, third issue on the hit parade, the price and the policies related to oil and gasoline and it's the same thing when you go to the pump you you, you know don't know how you're going to get through the week with all the money extra money you're having to spend now just to get by so people are saying you know what these are the big issues there are important things out there but nothing transcends the economic issues you know it's interesting as you look at this report which we've got posted at the bottom i love the fact that you you ask very comprehensive questions it's not just that you know a lot of times you'll see the abc news poll with you know some new uh, newspaper or magazine 
and they'll ask one or two kind of craftily worded questions. And then that becomes the big deal. The fact that you, I, I'm looking at at least what, 10, 15 different issues that you've asked people, does this have a lot of influence on how you're going to vote? Does this have not much or none? And the fact that you've got a huge survey compared to the sometimes 100 to 250 people that these larger surveys indicate, that gives me a lot of confidence in what you're doing at the Cultural Research Center. I mean, I know you know this is true, but for the benefit of those who might be hearing our conversation or watching it for the first time at myhopenow.com, I, I think that the fact that this is such a comprehensive report, and when you look at some of the issues, I mean, I'm grateful to see a, a very devout Christian like yourself running a survey and having the courage to say, Number one on the list of what's influencing people is the inflation, cost of living, et cetera. But toward the bottom, things that we might think about as very important to Christians really aren't animating voters this year. Talk about that. I mean, when we look at the bottom of the list of the, the 21 different issues that we studied here, what we discovered is that religious freedom is actually toward the bottom. Uh, if you look at the net influence that issues have, that is subtracting uh, those issues that have not much or no influence from those issues that have a lot of influence, what you find out is last of the 21 issues is religious freedom. Amazing. Yeah. Now, it's a little bit different when you look at religious individuals. You know, they're more likely to place that higher in the list, although nobody placed it in the top three. We had a couple of groups that that said, you know, yeah, it's, it's maybe in my top five. You know, people like uh, those who have a biblical worldview, those who say they trust the Bible for their primary source of moral guidance. Those are the only two groups, really, that said, yeah, it's got to be in the top five. And, and when we tried to take a look at why, I mean, my conclusion is that Americans take religious freedom for granted. They think, well, it's always been there. You know, we went through two years of lockdowns, and sure, I couldn't go to church, but you know, I'm, I'm getting along just fine even without church. So as long as I'm allowed to believe what I want to believe, right. I've got religious freedom. That's all I need to worry about. People don't understand how their freedoms get removed from the marketplace. George Barta is my guest today here on The Bottom. I'm Roger Marsh. It's Super Tuesday. It's the midterm election day, and we're grateful to have George here sharing his influence with us as we're trying to handicap a little bit how we think the elections are going to go. And George has done some great work with Arizona Christian University's Cultural Research Center, their American Values Study, uh, the third report in that series, focusing on the influences. I mean, the, the things that people are really interested in when it comes to elections. And uh, not surprisingly, anything that has to do with the cost of things like food prices, inflation, et cetera, et cetera, is way high up there. But some of the things that we as Christians might think were really important to the electorate aren't as important, like religious freedom or environmental policies or even the dreaded income inequality and distribution. George, one of the things you have in this survey that I really appreciate is something called the net influence factor, if you will, in terms of you were asking the question, how much influence does an issue have on the way people are going to vote? I don't think I've ever seen a net influence calculation before. Talk about that. Uh, yeah, honestly, I haven't either. And when I put this out, I, I started looking around at all the other current polls. Nobody has anything quite like this. And my first thought wasn't, wow, how brilliant I am. It was, oh, no, how am I goofing this up? Um, you know, because a lot of people smarter than me would probably be using this if it made sense. 
but but it's a simple concept and and it's where you take the people at the top of the continuum you subtract the people at the bottom in terms of saying what's going to influence them and what you have left is that number that's going to indicate well how much real influence is there going to be after those people cancel each other out so uh, you know what we've got here is, is that listing and as you mentioned it's economics 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 at the top and there's a lot of social issues some spiritual issues down at the bottom because people just don't think that's as important when you do this you know you look for instance at inflation the net influence score is 48 points mm -hmm. you look at religious freedom the net influence score is four points wow so yeah you know there's a huge margin between the top and the bottom here and i, I think that net influence score helps us to get a sense of that relative impact that these issues are going to have. When you're doing your sample for these uh, these value studies and things of that nature, are you talking to churches? Are you talking to Christians on the whole? Where are you finding these people? I mean, I don't want you to give away your trade secrets, but I mean, when I look at the number of people and get to the thousands that you survey for each of these surveys, it's pretty comprehensive. I would imagine you're not just going to churches, but uh, where are you culling from that gives us maybe a more comprehensive view of why the answers are the way they are? Well, it depends on what kind of survey you're doing. The, the most popular kind that we use currently is what's called a mixed mode survey. And that's because of all the changes that have taken place in technology and lifestyles. It's harder to get people to participate in surveys. But if you don't get a high participation rate, you really can't trust the data. Right. So that's why we use different methods of trying to get people to participate. Uh, we typically use telephone and online and combine them. And uh, there are different ways that we have of, of getting in touch with people. In terms of telephone, we still use what's called a random digit dial sample, which yeah. means that we take area codes that are working from the phone companies. We can get the first three digits of somebody's phone number. We know all the ones that are working within any given area code. And then the computer randomly generates the last four digits of the phone number and we keep calling and calling till we actually get a number that's working. And then we try to get those people to participate. Uh, you know, so that's the type of thing that we have to do. And then when you get people on the phone, there's a process you use to not just take whoever answers the phone, but you wanna have a random selection of the people who are of the characteristics you're looking for who live in that household. So it, it, it's pretty complex and complicated, but uh, and expensive, but I, I think it's important if you want to try to get a real representation of the population. Absolutely, and the reason I bring this up is not to you know belabor the points with George in terms of the you know the the, the behind the scenes now they do this. But if you read a lot of opinion polls, as do I, you know, for bottom line show prep, oftentimes I'll look at the numbers and see where they're coming up. And and I'll be honest with you, George. I mean, I, I, it seems to me like a lot of the national network polls are we're in New York and we went out in front of our building where our media outlet is. We asked a hundred people and that becomes a national opinion poll. I mean, I don't want to overstate, you know, how important what you're doing is. I mean, obviously I don't want to understate either, but it seems to me that a lot more of the opinion polling that people are being influenced by, especially like on election day is really just that kind of capricious and random. Well, and that, tends to be particularly true when you look at online research. And like mm. you, I am intentionally exposed to a lot of research studies. And because of what I do, I look very closely at the methodology aspects of it. And one of the things that I know about so many of the online surveys is they'll just put a survey on a website and whoever happens to come by 
and chooses to answer that survey, that becomes their quote unquote national sample because <laughs> right. it's from people from more than two states. Right. And, you know, so it's not really a reliable or representative or random sample. You can't really calculate any kind of sampling error statistics related to those kind of haphazard coincidental sampling studies. So, yeah, you do have to be kind of a wise consumer these days. And, and the other element that we haven't even talked about, apart from sampling, is that the way that I design the questions in my survey, I can get any answer I want. Any person who's any good at this can do that. And so you really have to find those pollsters, those researchers who are not interested in an agenda and promoting that, but who are interested in truth and understanding what the implications of that are and using those responses that we get, hopefully representing the truth of public opinion at that moment to educate people, to inform people and to let them take action if they think that's necessary. Boy, that's a powerful statement from Dr. George Barna with the Arizona Christian University Cultural Research Center today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about the third report in their America Values Study, America's Values Study. And uh, it's talking about our preferences, especially as it pertains to how people are going to be voting in the election. And I guess we'll, only time will tell us the ballots are counted after today's midterms. Uh, tallies are co constructed, and we'll find out what exactly uh Something tells me we're, we're not going to be surprised after reading your report as to how people actually vote. Uh, we'll come back after a short break in just a moment with more of my conversation with George Barna as the bottom line continues. You know, one of the things I love about what we're talking about here is the, the numbers don't lie. You know, when you talk about the values that people hold dear, and one of them, of course, is for people of faith and people outside the faith, too, is family does matter. Our friends at Preborn are really pulling the curtain back on the left's lies with regard to abortion, of course, Proposition 1, trying to crystallize it and enshrine it in the Constitution. But it's amazing how many women would have a different opinion of abortion if they just got a chance to see an ultrasound of their ch preborn child once they found out they were pregnant. Preborn is making that happen. Your $28 donation saves one child. 83 times a woman goes into a, a, a preborn clinic, 83 times out of 100, and she sees that ultrasound, she chooses life for her child, either as a parent Whereas an adoptive parent. And I encourage you to make your best donation right now to preborn. Vote against Prop 1 at the polls and then vote for life with preborn. $28 saves one life, $140 saves five, 280 saves 10. You can do the math. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229 or go to kbrightradio.com, thebottomlineshow.com, rogermarsh.com. Click on the banner for preborn and make your best donation there. Want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk? Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits addressing your risk tolerance with professional advisory knowledge. You have a large 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care? And if you need one or both, you both have it. That's right, permanent income inflation benefits, long-term care benefits with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our clients' money in the 4D account in the last few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night. Learn more when you call Wilson Financial today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, for simply better alternatives. 
Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. 800-227-5278. Not giving anything away today. Just taking an informal poll. Did you vote? And did you vote? Did you vote your values? Uh, exit poll from CNN. Hey, inflation's the number one issue. No kidding. George Barna could have told you that. Take a look at his uh, Arizona Christian University Cultural Research American Values Report, and you'll see what things are important to America's families and that type of thing. And all the rhetoric that the left gives you doesn't really add up to anything. Uh, George is with us today here on the Bottom Line, Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. By the way, you can get the American Values Survey free. Uh, just go to thebottomlineshow.com and you hit the link and we'll be happy to connect you with it and make sure you have all that good information. We're going to take a quick break here and when we come back, uh, more of my conversation with George Barna discussing the issue of values and voting. It's coming up next as the Bottom Line continues. Dr. George Barna, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, I'm Roger Marsh. Dr. Barna is the director, co-director of, and founding director, I should say, of the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. Uh, if you're not getting their updates that come on a very regular basis, I encourage you to go to thebottomlineshow.com and click on the link, and we've got a link for arizonachristian.edu, where you can find out how to get these, uh, these value surveys. You know, George, we were talking during the break about the list of the 21 different items that you put on your most recent survey to talk about values, to kind of take America's temperature, if you will, as to what are really important issues in the uh, election here in the 2022 midterms. We talked about inflation and food prices, oil prices. I mean, anything that has to do with money right now seems to be really high on the list. You mentioned two things that uh, kind of got my attention because we're hearing a lot, especially here in the People's Republic of California, about abortion rights, reproductive justice, this, that, and the other thing. That didn't really have as big an influence in your survey uh, as maybe some people might have thought. Talk about that, if you would. Well, I mean, what we found is that abortion is not something that's going to cause conservatives or Christians to turn out to vote. It's not an issue that they're studying the candidates in relation to trying to figure out what do they believe, what kind of policies do they want to pursue and, and support. We did find that there was a little bit of interest on the part of some of the groups on the left side of the po political continuum. Those, for instance, who are part of what are often called the nuns, people who have no political affiliations, no, I'm sorry, religious affiliations, no religious faith at all. Uh, we found that liberals, uh, we found that people who are political activists were among those who said that, yeah, that's a, a major motivating issue for them. And most of those people actually are liberals, they're progressives, uh, they're registered with the Democratic Party, which is a whole other discussion for another time. But uh, nevertheless, what we find is the people in the middle, the ones who are actually going to make or break what happens with this election, people who are politically moderate, people who are independent voters, they're neither Republican nor Democrat. Uh, abortion isn't really on their radar. That's not what they're concerned about. So while the liberal side of the continuum has been pushing abortion and pushing it and pushing it, they've changed their message. It's, it's no longer about pro-choice. Now it's about rights, you know, taking away rights as opposed to, you know, whether or not we're murdering babies. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's, it's all gotten very confusing, but it's really not working very well for the left. Another issue that was a big issue for the left a couple of years ago, I remember with the, the riots, George Floyd and all that type of stuff, and there was a huge push to defund the police. 
And that's kind of blown up in the faces of places like Minneapolis and Portland and things of that nature. That was one of the topics that you asked people about in your America's Value Study survey on influences for the election. Where did that show up on the list? Well, when you look at things like crime, policing and public safety, that was one of the top five issues. You know, we talked before about economics were on top of the list, but then you have to add to it things like crime, policing, public safety, which essentially came out uh, fourth on the list. Half of all Americans said, you know, that's going to be a major issue in terms of determining how I vote. Uh, We could add to that, you know, to round out the top five. uh, There were two that were tied at the cost, the quality and the availability of health care, health insurance, and then also protection against terrorism. Uh, And it's interesting to me, you know, Roger, if we step back and look at these top five issues, what are people saying? Essentially, they're saying, you know what, I got to take care of my family. And so I got to look after our money. I've got to make sure that we're healthy. I've got to do what I can to protect us from any kind of harm or evil. And those are the things that are driving Americans right now. And it fits in with another aspect of our study, which is what are the values that drive Americans to think what they think and do what they do, and, and even to develop the worldview or possess the worldview that they have? Family, by far, the number one issue. We've talked about that before. But you can see how that, that now gets played out in terms of the political choices that people are making on Election Day. And so they want leaders who recognize my family is important to me. You've got to do the things that matter here. Environmental stuff, I'm not sure it's real, so don't bother me with that. Income inequality doesn't really help my family at all. I'm not sure it's going to help anybody's family once the government administrates it. So, you know, I mean, there are all these kinds of things that people are thinking, but they are saying, yeah, my family matters, and that's the kind of political leader that I want to put into office. I want somebody who sees themselves as a servant, somebody who's looking out for the common good, somebody who's going to look after my family. They do that, I'm with them. You know, it's interesting toward that end, George Barna, what we've seen over the past couple of years with the pandemic and with the shutdowns and people losing jobs or being furloughed, and then here comes a little government assistance and they're kind of back on their feet again, or they're doing something completely different. They sold their house in California and moved to Florida or whatever, because the, the market allows them to do that. One of the things that I thought was very interesting in your uh, American Values report with regard to the elections was that very issue. A lot of people will say, well, I'm the guy who's running as a libertarian or Republican or whatever, because I favor limited government, you know, and or the Democrat you know, position, which is always the more government, the better, you know, I mean, as far as they're concerned. Your report was not inconclusive, per se, but people who are saying, I want to limit government, I want to slim things down a little bit, I don't want them all over the place. It seemed like in the net influence category, that was toward the bottom of the list, wasn't it? It really was. And and that, again, parallels what we found in terms of people's values. They don't want government determining how they live. And so when we looked at do people value strong government, do they value limited government, people are saying, you know what, I value government staying in its lane just like I value the healthcare profession staying in its lane. I value the education profession staying in its lane. I don't want them indoctrinating my children. I want them to teach them math and English. You know, I mean, that's the kind of thing that we're finding Americans are waking up to. And I don't say that pejoratively, but frankly, as a nation, we've been asleep for quite a while. Right. Things were rolling along. Everything was fine. We were making money. We had freedom. We were living the life we wanted. It may not have been one that always pleased God, but it seemed to please us. And so we were just going to keep rolling down that freeway. 
And then things changed. And now people say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Maybe I actually need to spend a little bit of time thinking about what do I stand for? What kind of world do I want to live in? What do I want to leave behind for my children? What do I need to do today to ensure that that's going to happen? And so I think this is the first of what we may see as two or three consecutive elections where Americans are starting to do a little bit more homework, a little bit more discovery about, yeah, what are, what are my options? What would it look like if we played that to the end point? What do I really want my life to be about? So it's going to be interesting seeing the outcome of this, but I'm hopeful that maybe this is the beginning of a, a little bit of a political revival, if not a spiritual revival. Yeah, two years ago, after the 2020 uh, general election, where there was all the cacophony and mayhem about whether it was stolen or rigged or this, that, and the other thing, I believe you and I had a conversation, it was in early 2021, where you said, look, my research is telling me that about 80% of Americans, regardless of their political affiliation, agree on, and that we just kind of went through, you know, chapter and verse on the things that really brought the nation together. George, take the last 60 to 90 seconds, if you will, of our time together and really drive home the fact that as much as we are led by media and even our own pastors and churches and trends of influence to believe that there's this huge divide in our nation, um, we're a lot closer to each other than we might actually think. You know, it's in the interest of certain groups of people and certain institutions to keep America divided so that they can maintain their power maintain their position, maintain their influence. But this is supposed to be a nation that's governed by the people and for the people and of the people. So we've got to rethink what does that look like? We can't allow the media to define our vision. We can't allow political leaders to define our vision. We define it for them. And when we look at the basis on which people would make those kinds of choices, what we find is that we're a lot more united. We've got a lot more in common than we're being led to believe. We're told that we're a radically divided nation. When in point of fact, there's a lot that brings us together. If we had those conversations, if we were willing to step across the line, maybe and initiate some of that kind of dialogue and not be fearful of getting in conflict, we probably find that, you know what? We've got a lot in common that we need to build upon rather than run away from each other because we think somebody wants to burn it down. Yeah, and that, that, that whole cancel culture mentality of you disagree with me, therefore you're a threat to me and you're evil, whatever, however people define evil, really isn't anything more than what's played out in the media. It's not where most people live, though. I would caution all of our bottom line listeners to move carefully in that direction to try to reach across political and ideological aisles but remembering that the way we're going to reconcile with other people is if we take the first step um, rather than waiting for somebody else to have a kumbaya moment and invite us over to their home too. But armed with the information that you gather from Dr. George Barna and the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, uh, I think you'll be much better equipped with the wisdom that you need to proceed in those conversations. Uh, Dr. George Barna, always a pleasure. I see we went through the entire program. I did not once ask you who you voted for. It's none of my business. That's between you and God. You did vote though. Right. I mean, I yes, just, sir. I, I, Multiple times, as it turns out. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, ArizonaChristian.edu is where you find information about the Cultural Research Center. We've got that link at the bottom line show. Get Dr. Barnes updates whenever they come out, and they come out uh, just at seemingly at just the right time. Every time we need more information about a certain issue, it seems like George Barnes' team is there with the information we need. George, really appreciate your friendship, your partnership. Thanks for being with us today here on the bottom line. 
Team effort, buddy. Thanks so much. You know, I love our dialogue, and uh, this one is fun. Of, of late, we've been able to do these on uh, Zoom, and uh, so it's fun to, you know, you might hear a slight difference in my microphone uh, between, uh, you know, when we were just doing the studio thing here, which is just uh, strictly on the microphone part and the uh, Zoom part. But, you know, it's interesting because I think that, uh, you know, when we have these dialogues and people get a chance to see what George and I are talking about, it's it's amazing to me how many more people it kind of becomes real. It becomes a, a conversation that can be modeled. And especially as we think about what George was talking about in his research and what the research is showing, it's amazing how 80% of Americans, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Independent, or whatever, essentially want the same things. But you would be stunned to find out how the media reports them to you. And one of the things that I really do try to stress here on the Bottom Line Show is we are literally seeking the truth we're trying to find out what's happening in the world how does it look through the lens of scripture and how do we as christians then act upon that i know that sounds like a very simple basis but doggone it we are committed to it and i'm grateful for guys like george barna who kind of help us reaffirm that mission uh you can find that link that we were talking about up at thebottomlineshow.com phone lines are open now 800-227-5278 i'm going to play pollster here and give you a chance to weigh in. Did you vote? First and foremost is the question. Second, if you want a prize, you can have a prize. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, a lot of times I'll say, hey, everybody wins something, and half the people who call go, I don't want a prize. I just want to talk to you. Um, 800-227-5278. Did you vote is the first question. Second question, um, how do you feel the election is going to go? Do you think it's going to be fair? Do you think there's going to be some? I mean, you know there's going to be some places. There's already reports out of Maricopa County in Arizona about some of the machines malfunctioning. There was a, a question about some absentee ballots in one part of rural Georgia that didn't get mailed out in time. And so a judge had to step in and give them more time to fill that stuff in. But are we going to see the widespread rigging that we saw in 2020 or is it going to be mostly a fair fight? And third, and this is top of the heap, if you did not vote, have not voted yet, or do not plan to vote, I would love to hear your explanation as to why. No pretense, not going to attack or gang up. I'm just very curious as to what would lead you to not vote. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, I, I want to take your temperature a little bit. We'll get our own opinions here. I mean, this is just us, right? So uh, no harm, no foul. On uh, the idea, did you vote? Did you not vote? If you did not vote, why? And I assure you that if you did not vote and you call 800-227-5278, I promise you we'll put you on first. You will not have to wait a long time in line. But I really want to hear your reasoning for not voting, or I'd like to hear your reasoning for voting. You know, I'm seeing a lot of bottom line listeners who are saying, you know, the the, the line is really long where I am. I actually got a, a text from my daughter, Kaylee, who's voting near her home. And she said she got to the community center where people vote. And she said the line is just monstrous. And, well, that's my word, not there. And, and I'm and I'm grateful, you know, that uh, we have that opportunity to say, look, people are getting out. They want to vote in person. Conservatives typically vote more in person than by mail. And yet um, I understand that, you know, if you want to do it, by all means, you know, vote any way you want to. Um, I'm a permanent absentee voter, as is my wife. And so we had the uh, opportunity to cast our vote through the mail. 
Um, but, you know, people are going to vote the way they're going to vote. Um, I came across some audio earlier today that I found really rather frustrating. It, if you listen to our elected officials talk about what's happening in the culture right now, you begin to understand that depending on where you get your news, you are going to see and hear a different story than where you don't get your news. Like case in point, um, I'm going to foxnews.com right now to see how they're handling the election stuff. Not because it's my first choice, that's why I went. Final countdown, the headline says, first polls close on consequential election day as control of House and Senate hang in the balance. Now that's true. Uh, there are 35 Senate seats that are up for re-election. There are all 435 members of the House of Representatives who have to run. And by the way, if I were engaged in any kind of political reform, I would do away with that system. I'm not opposed to the House of Representatives, but I believe that it does need an overhaul. It was originally designed to represent, you know, uh, 10,000, 20,000 people per district, and now they represent several million. Take the 335 million population and divide it by 435, and that's uh, that's a pretty big area. But today is consequential in the sense that we could wind up with a whole new United States Senate. Uh, it's conceivable that if a red wave does in fact show up, that you're going to see more Democrat, more Republicans than Democrats. And as it stands right now, it's 50 Republicans are in the Senate, 48 Democrats, and then two independents who are basically Democrats. And I don't know why Bernie Sanders and King from where we Maine run as independents because they're basically Democrats. But if any of those 35 seats flips the way it could, you would see a, a Republican simple majority maintained in the Senate. And if they can get to 51, that means Kamala Harris no longer has a vote in the Senate. Yay. But it's conceivable they could get to 60 and all of a sudden 60 becomes veto proof, becomes overturning, becomes they could pass legislation, send it to the president. The president could veto it. They could send it back to the Senate. The Senate could overturn the veto. So if 10 of the 35 Senate seats flip, we could be looking at a whole different day. Now, most pundits agree that the House of Representatives is going to go to a Republican majority. It may be by the slimmest of majorities, but there are Democrat congressmen and women who are retiring. They're getting out of office. And there's kind of, that seems to be the place where most younger Americans are letting their voice be heard. And by the way, if you're in the baby boom generation, if you're in the greatest generation, and we have a lot of listeners in those generations, keep your eyes on the millennials and Generation Z, because these are those 20-something and 30-somethings who are running for Congress who might be president of the United States by the time they turn 35. The voting block known as millennials and Generation Z is the largest voting block in America. I know if you're a baby boomer, You've been used to being number one. Guess what? You've been dethroned. And there's a reason for that. And it's a perfectly natural reason that that's boomers are getting older, greatest generation getting older, and millennials and Generation Z aren't. <laughs> I mean, they're getting older too, but not to the point where they might be in danger of losing their lives. Okay? So that's Fox News. First polls close on consequential election day as control of House and Senate hang in the balance. So what do our friends at CNN have to say? about the election. You ready for the headline? They shifted just now to first results are coming in. But here's what they found out. They've had to drop this one down because it was so unpopular. For the past four or five months, all we have heard from the left-leaning media is the most important thing 
is abortion. Abortion, abortion, abortion. Abortion, abortion, abortion. Roe versus Wade overturned. Constitutional rights ripped away from the hands of American women. Helpless women who can't abort constitution and ripped and helpless. And guess what the number one issue CNN had to admit in their exit polls was? Initial exit polls from across the U.S. show inflation is the top issue for voters. To which conservatives say, oh, really? I mean, you don't have to be an economist to understand the fact that if inflation has been going up for the past year and change at a clip of anywhere between 8 and 9%, doesn't matter if your weight just went up 5.5%. Doesn't matter if they tell us unemployment's 3.7%, which is up from 3.5%. The reality is there are a lot of people who basically sold their homes when home prices were really good and are living off that money right now because they need to because everything you buy costs more. It's really basic econ 101. If the stuff you need to live on costs more to buy, you're in a bad spot. And the first question they're going to ask is, why, why, why do things cost so much? There's another shocking exit poll from CNN we'll take a look at in just a moment. Uh, Taking our informal poll here, though, did you vote? 800-227-5278. Did you not vote? If you did vote, do you think there's going to be something tampering with your vote that might negate it? Love to hear your take on this. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Gonna drop a beat, add a beat, then you got a rush song. Welcome back to the bottom line show. I'm Roger Marshall. Election Day 2022. The midterm elections. Uh well, let's see, we're coming up on four o'clock Pacific time, so about another hour to go in many of the eastern states. Um, remember the big hue and cry from the White House with regard to uh, Georgia's election integrity law that actually, remember President Biden said, it actually shortens the amount of hours that you have available to vote. And what really happened was the fact that, well, <laughs> there was one component in the election laws as they stood that said the election polling places for early voting should be open during regular business hours. And then during election day, you could be open at 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And what they did was they changed regular business hours to actually spell out nine to five. So based on the fact that if you did vote on election day and it was between seven and eight, but regular business hours were nine to five, well, that's obviously five hours fewer voting. So the president's, oh, you're, you're you're making it difficult, impossible for Jim Crow laws to, you know, Georgia and et cetera, et cetera. When in reality, all they did was crystallize what does it mean? What are regular business hours anymore? I mean, a lot of the laws that were put in place were to establish what are official drop-off polling places. You heard Pastor Jack Hibbs on with me yesterday saying that all leading up to the election, Calvary Chapel Chino Hills was an officially designated. Uh, voting drop-off place, not a polling place per se. A lot of churches do have that distinction, but the uh, drop-off place, because there were so many people who were collecting ballots, and and uh, you saw in Dinesh D'Souza's movie, 2000 Mules, they were actually, if you can believe it, not only harvesting the ballots, but trafficking them. Uh, one pollster said this morning on Twitter that he uh, was surprised to find that one of the poll workers at the place where he was voting was a member of the Democrat Party who actually 
handed him a sample ballot that was all filled out. Oh, here, here's a ready reference guide for you. Just go in and copy everything that I put on this one on your ballot, and we'll be just fine. Now, these are some of the same people who said, you know, Republicans don't want to give you water where you're standing in line to vote. And Republicans are going to show up with AK-47s and 15s and whatever, and, and they're, going to, they're going to threaten you. These are the same people who didn't want Republican poll watchers actually at the polls. I mean, there are literally millions of poll watchers on both sides of the aisle paying very, very close attention to this election. And with the exception of Maricopa County in Arizona, where there were reporting of machines that were, uh, you know, you'd pull the lever for one candidate would mark on the other. And there was some guy, I think in Pennsylvania, who wound up getting yanked from his position because he had set up all the machines to vote everybody Democrat, regardless of how you pulled the lever. Yeah, that's going to happen. There's some Russian guy who now is facing jail time because he was involved in a some kind of electronic scandal as well, too. Pray that the elections are as fair as they possibly can, knowing that we live in a sinful, fallen world and we can't free ourselves apart from Christ. But please, as Christians, vote. Please take the time to vote. There's still a few more hours left to get your vote in person. You can still get it postmarked in time to count. And here in the People's Republic of California, if you do mail your ballot today, it has up to a week to actually arrive postmarked today and still count. On the other side of this break, I'm going to take a look at uh, our illustrious former attorney general and former senator uh, here in the People's Republic of California, now the vice president of the United States, uh, Kamala Harris. She uh, gave a speech that's kind of her stump speech with regard to Prop 1 and abortion and the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade, but she tried to drag the church into it, too. Let's take a look at her claims and see what she has to say on the other side of this break. By the way, KCBC audience, uh, you can stay with us through the break and listen online at capebrightradio.com or catch this part of the program tonight at 7 during the Bottom Line Show Extra on KCBC. For those who remain, more election talk coming up next as the Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we're taking your calls uh, to see if you voted, quite frankly. And uh, this is very interesting. The, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, good old Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, making headlines yet again. This is from Epic Times. Uh, Zachary Stryber is the author of this. Officials in Pennsylvania's most populous city have imposed a last-minute change on ballot processing that could delay the count of the vote. In a two-to-one vote during a special meeting, Philadelphia city commissioners decided to amend how ballots are processed. The change focuses on reconciliation, reviewing absentee ballots and in-person votes to make sure that people don't cast duplicate votes. Now, they were facing a lawsuit, so uh, the commissioners, uh, Lisa Dealey, who's a Democrat, and Seth Bluestein, who's a Republican, voted to have reconciliation take place for ballots cast in the midterm elections. This is a quote from Seth Bluestein. Quote, I want to make very clear that when there are conversations that occur later this evening about whether or not Philadelphia has counted all their ballots, the reason some ballots will not be counted, it's because Republican attorneys in, uh, uh, in, let's see, Republican attorneys targeted Philadelphia and only Philadelphia in trying to force us to do a procedure no other county does. And while we technically won the court case, in common pleas court, the opinion that was written was written in a way that we have no other choice but to go forward and reinstate reconciliation. 
Um, it's interesting because Philadelphia officials said they didn't want to, but quite frankly, uh, the order was handed down the day before. Not sure why Commons, please, Judge and Marie Coyle denied a request for a preliminary injunction against rolling back reconciliation. But nonetheless, they're going to be doing some funky counting of voting in Philadelphia as a result. Um, 800-227-5278. I'd love to hear from you. If you voted, Mike at Fresno called. Mike, if you're still on the line, uh, please call us back because I think we lost your call. Uh, but I'd love to hear. I mean, I voted, I pretty, well, an informal poll of everybody here at the Bottom Line Show. Todd, Teresa, Joel, uh, nod once if you voted. <laughs> nod twice if you have yet to vote. There's still time. Uh, I want you to hear something that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way the first time I heard it this morning is from the vice president of the United States. And she's been very obviously an outspoken supporter of abortion. This is the woman who weaponized her own attorney general's office and justice department here in the people's Republic of California to go after David Daleiden. Uh, you remember David, the guy who started the center for medical progress back in 2015, he started releasing the planned parenthood, uh, harvests, baby body parts campaign. He was able to get many people in the abortion industry, uh, to admit on film what they actually do to harvest these baby body parts, how they coerce women to, to either sign documents that they don't understand or in some cases just forge their signature, uh, saying that they are consenting to, quote, unquote, donate the baby's vital organs to medical research, and then they wind up selling them to hospitals and things like that. Kamala Harris was the one who went after David Daleiden and a lot of the things that were uh, that he's still facing legally are charges that stemmed from her office. And yet she has been very outspoken about Roe versus Wade and the constitutionality of whether or not you can actually remove uh, deeply ingrained constitutional rights. And now she's going after people of the Christian faith and telling them there's something wrong with them. I want you to hear the vice president, but first I want to get one of your calls on the air. So let's go to Doug in Los Angeles, first and foremost. Doug, Hi, Roger. Thanks for taking my call. I sure. did go vote. I voted two days Good. ago. I had, a look, okay. I had some misgivings, not because I'm not patriotic. In fact, it's all because of that. But it's also because I'm a citizen of heaven. I've been transformed. My life has Amen. changed in Christ. And I'm weighing what God would have me do. I know what my civic duty is as an American, and I'm truly grateful for it. So I'm I'm, I'm sharing this. I think your your uh, call screener sensed the urgency in my voice, and that yeah. dovetails into the next thing that I want to say, that it's not just uh, our, in America we have two ways in which our voice is heard. And that is through our vote, absolutely, as an American citizen. And the second, but it's primary, is our prayer life as a Christian, yes. that we, we beseech God. And there needs to be a desperation in our hearts, because in other countries where they don't have a vote, that's all Christians can hope for. And that's right. a great thing to lean on. But we become yes. so blessed, and we are so blessed, and that we kind of, we do take it for granted in subtle ways. Yeah, we certainly do. And Doug, I really appreciate your call and your passion because, I mean, you've heard some of the uh, uh, the different comments that we've had here on the Bottom Line Show for uh, the past couple of weeks leading up to the election, especially. I mean, first and foremost, it's a pray first, then go vote, you know, and then pray again, uh, you know, and do so knowing that God is the, I mean, the one who holds the universe in place, uh, ultimately is not going to be surprised by the outcome of this election. But for those, I mean, if it, it, for those who have yet to vote, and here we are, it's a 4.06 p.m. Pacific time here on the West Coast, so 5.06 for our friends at KLDC. Um, 
if the polls are still open, you have a chance to vote. I realize Colorado does it all by mail, and the majority of California voters do, in fact, vote by mail as well. But if you haven't voted yet, or if you've got it and you want to put it in the mail, you can take it to a polling place and drop it off. I encourage you to do so and think about what Doug just said with regard to the number of people who are in countries right now where they don't have a voice whatsoever. You know, and the fact that we have 25 million Americans who sat out the 2020 elections for some reason or another. I, I realize, I'll, I'll be honest with you, there are times when I go through my ballot and I'm voting, you know, Lisa and I were filling ours out last night. We kind of waited till the last minute this time just to make sure we had all of everything right. And of course, I had Roger's recommendations for the congressional seats and, you know, governor and lieutenant governor and that type of stuff. But when it came to the judges, I went to Craig Huey's judgevoterguide.com and, and found all of my judges in our region and went ahead. There were two yeses and most of them were no's. But I felt a lot better having prayed over it, having actually taken the black pen and filled it all in. By the way, have you noticed if you're filling in your absentee or mail-at-home ballot, State of California's directions are very specific. Let me see if I have them over here. Voting instructions. Oh, yeah, I got them right here. Uh, use a black pen, a black ink pen or marker. Do not use red ink. Okay. To vote for a candidate whose name appears on the ballot, completely fill in the oval next to the name of the candidate for whom you wish to vote. To vote for a qualified writing candidate, print the candidate's name in the space provided below the candidates listed for the same office. Um, now, here, check this out. To vote for or against a measure, completely fill in the oval next to the word yes, in all caps, or no for that measure. Then, this is item D in how to mark your ballot. Completely filling in the oval is preferred. Vote for no more than the number of votes allowed in each contest. Sometimes you can vote for one up to six, whatever it is. Important, and this is parenthetical, if you do not completely fill in the oval, your vote will not be counted. Did the first line right before that say, fill in the oval completely? It is preferred that you fill in the oval completely. And then right below it, it says, but if you don't fill in the oval completely, your vote won't be counted. So why, why even bring it up? And who determines, I mean, I'm one of those guys, painstakingly for our My Hope Now people, I got my tongue out, kind of doing a curve, you know, making sure that the black is black enough and it doesn't look too gray, you know. I use blue pens a lot when I'm signing stuff. I think blue is more neutral, friendly color, but no, it's got to be black. And don't use red. But what if somebody uses purple because they saw the don't use red thing? How many of these ballots are going to get thrown out on one little technicality like that? See, that's the that's the yin and yang. That's the... Uh, flesh and spirit. That's the. This is what I'm wrestling with. I want to believe that the vote's going to count. I want to believe that this is going to go the right way. And yet, how do we know? Doug, thanks for your call from uh, voting. Your voting experience in Los Angeles. 800-227-5278. Have you voted yet? Please tell me you have. But if you haven't, I'd love to get a caller who has not, and I would love to hear your best defense as to why you did not vote in the midterms this year. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client and wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard. You'll see that an FHA-approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program and at least 55 for a conventional high-volume program. 
It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse. That's kbrightradio.com slash reverse or 714-741-8080. NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender. If you're 62, you can get into a conventional reverse mortgage. But if you're 55, there are some programs you can qualify for. Also, a lot of people use it to take out equity in a home that they have already. But what about using a reverse mortgage to purchase a home? Those are all options. You'll want to ask Cliff Peliquin at Newport Bay Mortgage today. 714-741-8080. As we sail along on the silent wings of freedom here on this special edition of the Bottom Line Show, I'm Roger Marsh. November the 8th, it is midterm election 2022. The polls are starting to close on the East Coast. Of course, we'll have a full recap tomorrow on the Bottom Line Show in terms of what we know as far as uh, which bills have passed or not passed. Uh, Taking your calls at 800-227-5278. Did you vote today? Did you not vote today? We're taking an informal poll. So far, we've heard from no one but voters. (laughs) And uh, and I appreciate that. But to Doug's point, you know, this is the kind of thing where you need to take into consideration Christians in other parts of the world that do not have a voice in politics. And again, God's going to use whatever means necessary to strengthen his church to sanctify his bride. So we can't always look to, well, if we just get the right person elected president, we'll have all our problems solved. Sometimes the church thrives more under a dictatorship or under an unjust ruler. That, that We have a history of that, of God's people being subject to that. So whatever God wants, as far as the outcome goes, that's how we vote. But we vote believing that God wants the best for our nation, best for our church, et cetera, et cetera. Um, One of the areas where we have seen God's hand at work, I believe, is in the overturning of the federal abortion law, Roe versus Wade, and the follow-up law, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, that had a chance to overturn Roe. In the Dobbs versus Jackson case in the Supreme Court of the United States uh, that was uh, passed in uh, June of this year, uh, June 24th, 2022, the Dobbs case basically set the stage for overturning Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Now, as soon as that happened, Democrats jumped on this whole mantra that abortion was the quote unquote number one issue for voters. And that's how we would energize the young Democratic voter to get out to the polls. That still may be the case. I mean, we haven't seen the election returns yet, but younger Democrat voters who are animated by this may in fact actually show up and drive the election in a different different direction. But Vice President Kamala Harris was tasked with canvassing the country to talk about how awful it was that the so-called constitutional right to abortion, which was enshrined in the Constitution, actually should still be there. And she campaigns for Proposition 1 here in California, et cetera, et cetera. She's been giving this talk for a while, but she recently gave it at a place where it was a largely African-American audience. I want you to hear this clip. It's only about 42 seconds. Joel, if you've got this ready, this is the vice president of the United States talking about why people of faith should be upset that Roe versus Wade was overturned. Just think about this. The highest court in a land, the United States Supreme Court, the court of Thurgood, just took a constitutional right from the people of America. 
And here's the thing that must be spoken. One does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held beliefs to agree the government should not be telling her what to do with her body. Okay, uh, so that's what the vice president of the United States had to say to a rather uh, fawning crowd uh, about the whole issue of abortion. And, of course, now with California wanting to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. And if you vote no on Proposition 1, good for you, because uh, I'm concerned that this if this California is not going to outlaw abortion. If Prop 1 does not pass, abortion will still be legal in the most pro-abortion state in the union. But for the vice president who has passed the bar, who has also served as a city attorney, who has also served as attorney general of the People's Republic of California, to insinuate that somehow the Supreme Court got it wrong and that they took away a right tells you a couple things. First, before, I've got 10 reasons why, why she's wrong, but that's not the most important thing. The idea that this woman believes that the Supreme Court actually gives rights or takes them away indicates that she has a certain level of judicial activism in her background that she's very comfortable with. And this is not about whether or not the court can or cannot do that. The court can't do that. You know that. I know that. But what bothers her is the fact that the court did this, and she would be perfectly fine with the lower court saying, we're going to impose uh, legislation on a state uh, for same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage, for example, or expanding abortion. If the court rules her way, then she's totally fine with the court legislating from the bench. But when the court rules on the constitutionality of something that should never have been a federal issue in the first place and actually does a course correction, this woman is incensed that the Supreme Court, the court of Thurgood, direct quote from Kamala Harris, her dad's Jamaican, her mom is from India. So Thurgood Marshall, that's a big deal for her. Come on. You took this right away from us? How dare you take this right away from us? How about how dare you give this right, quote unquote, to people? I mean, in the Roe decision, the power to make laws is vested in the what? The Congress. We call them the legislature because the legislators write the legal laws. The laws are then signed into law or the bills are signed into law by the executive branch they execute they put it into play the executive branch is your president is your governor they're the top dog in your state or for the all 50 states remember the united states of america people are saying on the democrat side today democracy is on the ballot no it's not no it is not inflation is on the ballot and the tone-deaf progressives who keep saying, democracy, well, we tried abortion and that didn't, inter- we got a lot of money for fundraising off that, but we didn't really uh, make any headway. So democracy, democracy, we need to save democracy because Donald Trump and Elon Musk and, 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 and we are a democratic constitutional republic. The states work together as one nation by a constitutional covenant, by an agreement called the U.S. Constitution. That's why we are the United States of America, and we don't have a name like England or Spain or France or Germany. We are united individual states. And the issue of a woman's right to privacy, which is what this, that's the constitutional right. The Supreme Court decided that a woman had a right to privacy as what to do with her health decisions, and therefore she had the right to kill a baby and nobody else could tell her what to do. 
But there's one part of this bill that Vice President Harris misses with regard to, A, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, but then California's Proposition 1, that I think if somebody would sit down and explain it to her, she might go, oh, wait a minute. Did you notice what she said, though, at the end, though, too? You're di- Joel, let's play the clip again. D- don't miss the part where she basically tells Christians that you should be supporting abortion rights. Go ahead, Joel. Just think about this. The highest court in the land, the United States Supreme Court, the court of Thurgood, just took a constitutional right from the people of America. And here's the thing that must be spoken. One does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held beliefs to agree the government should not be telling her what to do with her body. You know what? Totally agree. What? Did Roger just say he totally agree? Yeah, the government should not be telling anybody what to do with their body. The government should not be telling you what to put into your body. The government should not be telling you who you should or should not be having intimacy with. When it comes to your body, it absolutely is your choice. But when you get pregnant, it's no longer just your body at risk. It is your body and the body of your preborn child. So now the argument about people of faith saying the government shouldn't be telling us what to do with our bodies. Well, it's not just your body now, is it, Madam Vice President? I mean, I'm not a scientist, but 100% of the people who have been born in the history of the world were born out of a relationship between a man and a woman or the egg and the sperm and the, the fertilization. But a separate individual life was conceived. And you want us to believe that as Christians or Muslims or Jews, any kind of faith tradition, that we should listen to your science with regard to what's going on here? No, the government should not be telling that baby, you have to die because your mom didn't want to get pregnant. There's another part of this component, another component to this argument that is missing in her debate and argument. We'll take a look at that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. It's really very simple. Preborn is a ministry that helps people understand the science of conception. Contraception means you don't conceive a child, but once a baby is conceived, the left wants you to believe you can take a pill and quote unquote, make it go away. That's why if you go to an abortion clinic and say, may I see an ultrasound of my preborn child? They'll say, oh, we can't do that. It's too traumatic. It would be too hard for you. Actually, it shows you that spitting image of that little one who's inside of you. You can hear the heartbeat. You can see the baby. And now the question is, when is our due date? And am I ready to be a parent? Or can I release that child for adoption? Preborn helps you make that whole process so easy, so simple, so basic. And they do it with the love of Christ. As a matter of fact, over 7,000 women who went and had a preborn screening last year gave their hearts to the Lord as a result of what they saw on the ultrasound screen. Will you make a donation today to support preborn? 833-850-BABY is the number to call. Give a $280 donation right now and 10 more babies will have their lives spared because their mothers got to see them in an ultrasound. 
833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Let Wilson Financial Services help you identify proprietary financial strategies for your wealth that work for your life. Let's revisit our one-year CD. Had a client who had $500,000 of retained earnings in his corporation for the last three years. I said, if you'd have put that into this account three years ago, you'd have seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of interest versus what you have now, which is a nice round number. Had a client sell his house, had $450,000 in the bank. I told him, is he really not likely to buy a house in the next 12 months? You want to leave this in the bank earning nothing? Or would you like to earn some interest on it over the next 12 months? So he said, how much? I said, well, how about between twenty and 30000 He says, zero versus twenty or 30000 Yeah, he says, I like the twenty or 30000 Sounds better. Aren't you tired of earning nothing with all the money you have in the bank? Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Taking your calls, 800-227-5278. Did you vote today? Uh, the last comment I wanted to make about Vice President Harris talking about people of faith and saying that uh, people of faith should all agree that the government should not be telling you what to do with your body. She misses the fact that here in the People's Republic of California, Proposition 1 is on the ballot, not because 2 million Californians rose up and said, we want to enshrine this in the, US, in the California Constitution. It's on the ballot because the California state legislature, you know, the government decided that we needed to put this on the ballot. So in other words, the government that does not require abortion clinics to tell you about the adoption option ignores the science and the polling that indicates that 55% of American women who have had an abortion and then said, wow, I didn't know adoption was an option. And had I known adoption was an option, I would have placed my child up for adoption. Why doesn't the government tell women what their options are when they're facing a pregnancy that they did not plan? I think it's a fair question. How about you? 800-227-5278. Back to the phones now as our poll on Election Day continues. Looks like we have Devana and Rancho Palos Verdes. Devana, did I get that right? Yes. Thanks for calling the Bottom Line Show today. Did you vote? Yes, I did. I voted this morning. And Excellent. It's a do you privilege feel good ab- and an honor to do so. Do you feel good about um, the things you voted for or against? I absolutely do. I did my homework. I I researched um, everything that um, was on the ballot because I wanted to make sure that I knew who was backing what, mm-hmm. who appointed what judge that was up for, um, you know, appointing all of those things. It's, it's extremely important. Because especially judges, judges have a big stake in everything, all the decisions made about our lives. So um, if you haven't voted yet, please make sure you look at your sample ballot and and look things up. Look at who appointed who and what president appointed this person or that person. But um, I just needed to comment as um, I tell people, sadly, I am an abortion professional. Um, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ who's been saved by his grace and mercy mm-hmm. and cleansed from all of the things that I've uh, had done, uh, made decisions I've made in my past. Sure. But um, I'm an abortion survivor, first of all. In 1959, wow. my mother attempted to abort me three times. Oh, my goodness. And because of that, I do have some physical um, limitations. Mm-hmm. But I am a 
strong um, advocate for preborn babies, preborn Americans yes. on this yes. day especially. And I want to say, I don't know if anyone has brought up uh, this topic from this angle, but I also experienced abortion, um, giving abortions. Um, the first mm-hmm. time was not my decision. I was very young, 12 years old. It was a rape, a pregnancy, an abortion mm-hmm. with me mm-hmm. having no say. And I'm then so at sorry. 16, I had two abortions that I did have a say. But I want to say this. The government did tell me what to do with my body. Roe v. Wade was new, and it was uh, making a lot of money, and the process was crazy. I was this young girl. I I got pregnant. I walked um, into a welfare office where they cut the check and told me to walk over to this uh, back alley place and and get the abortion. Nobody counseled me. Nobody did anything. They just told me, this is what you need to do. But there's over... 65 million women like me in this country alone, that every time this subject comes up through our voting process, everything, and I'm not one to use this word often. Devonna, I'm so sorry. Your your testimony is so powerful. We're coming up on the end of the program, but thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for being an advocate for life, standing firm. That's the bottom line. 